Hello and welcome to Difference Makers. I'm your host, David Rocker, and we are so excited about another podcast episode. I am extremely excited to be joined by legendary and longtime coach, even my high school coach, Coach Willie Hunter. His resume is full of many accomplishments from being a collegiate coach, high school coach, bodybuilder, and much more, which we will be talking about in our conversation right here on Difference Maker. Thanks for joining me today, Coach Hunter. How you been doing? I've been doing pretty good, pretty good for an old man. <laughs> <laughs> now, Coach, when you talk about, oh, it, you've been around quite a while. And what's amazing, you're still popular, when I say, in the in the APS area, in the Atlanta area. I mean, when your name is mentioned, bam, people quickly can say, oh, man, Coach Hunter, man, we have a lot of, a lot of respect. So you've been well-respected for many, many years. But I want to ask you a question, Coach. I mean, starting out, we have many listeners who may not be familiar with your background. So let's start with some background information. I mean, where, where are you from, Coach? Well, I'm from the Atlanta area. In, uh, I'm from the Pittsburgh area in Atlanta. Okay. Uh, that was the south side of Atlanta. And it was something uh, basically uh, considered... Uh, well, in the kind of like low economic mm-hmm. area in Atlanta, but it, it was a close-knit community. Close-knit community. Yeah. Parents, siblings, coach. I have uh, seven uh, in, the, in my family other than me. I had, uh, uh, it was uh, five boys, uh, five girls and three boys okay. in the family, yeah. Now, were you the youngest, the oldest? Uh, no, I was the uh, I was the fifth child. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, how was it for you growing up in Atlanta at that time, for you being young? I'm David Rocker, the host of the Difference Maker podcast. I am looking for difference makers who are out of the Atlanta public school system, the school system that I am a product of. So if there's a principal, a teacher, coach, or even an athlete who has had a positive influence on you, I want to sit down with them and have them on the Difference Maker podcast. So contact me at DavidRocker92 or go to the Difference Makers Facebook page and leave a message. Looking forward to hearing from you soon. So how was it growing up in the Atlanta area, Coach, as a youth? Well, you know, we, we lived in a, a section called Pittsburgh, and the section was real close, you know, families were close to each other. Uh, most of us was considered, you know, kind of like, uh, uh, kind of the poor section, mm-hmm. but we were not poor in spirit. Mm. I, I came from a, uh, a religious background, and my mother had most... Uh, she influenced me more than anybody else because she was a strong believer in God. Mm. When I was young, I, I didn't follow that too closely, but it really had a great deal of, of, of influence on my life. But the neighborhood was, was really close. Mm. We were good athletes. We played everything, football, baseball, basketball. We swam. Uh, and 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 the neighborhood, well, like I say, was basically closed. If you lived in that Pittsburgh section, 
you basically knew everybody else and everybody looked out for each other. So you mentioned sports. I mean, what were your goals and aspirations? How did you even start out getting involved in sports just as a youth? Well, we just played stickball, mm-hmm. you know, and we played church and stuff like that. But really what got me involved in, in trying to become a, uh, an outstanding athlete was when Jack Robinson got involved. Mm. We all became good baseball players. We all played baseball. And it was because of, you know, Jack Robinson and his entrance into the uh, major league. That so it's the power of influence that Jackie oh, Robinson yeah. had on so many of y'all growing up. Right, so wow. every neighborhood during that time had a baseball team. Mm. And we were the Pittsburgh Tigers. Oh, okay. <laughs> so now from that, I understand that you you end up going to Carver High School. Uh, well, how did that come about? Well, it's, it's fascinating. I finished Crawman Elementary School. That's in Pittsburgh. And, uh, and, and, and Robert, you know one thing funny, they tried to, uh, they tried to, I didn't realize that I was pretty good academically. They tried to, uh, to, to skip me in the third grade. Really? Yeah, but my mama said, no way. <laughs> Cause she knew I wasn't matured enough. Mm. And so when I finished Crawford, I, uh, my primary course I really liked was social studies. They sent me to Washington High. And so when we went to Washington High, that was away from Pittsburgh. That was on the west side of town. They called that the west side. And and so when I got out there, I, uh, and I was not close around my family where my mother had control, I kind of, I kind of, got to be with the boys who they consider kind of wild. Mm-hmm. So what I did, I just went to two classes. I went to uh, his, my history class and I went to a music class. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and so when the grade time came out, because I made all A's in elementary school, so when the grades came out, during that time, you know, I got an A, A in history, and I got an A in music, and I got an F in the rest of my <laughs> courses. But they just put the Fs on the car in ink, you know, okay. with the ink pen. Yeah. So I just changed it to an A. <laughs> so, <laughs> my, Coach, my, uh, Coach, you changing grades. <laughs> yeah. So my mother still thought I was making all A's. Oh, man. See, my mother thought I was still making all A's. So, uh, but then I would run with a bunch of boys and we would kind of get us in trouble. So we didn't have the money and stuff to buy lunches. So if a kid was walking down the hall and he had some donuts, we walked up and asked him donuts. He didn't give us no, we took it off. <laughs> so Coach, basically what you're talking about, you, you pretty much a bully, Coach. You, you end up being with the boys who are bullies. Right. Okay, right, okay. Right. And I was big for my size. Mm-hmm. And so what happened was in the in the ninth grade, going into the tenth grade, uh, a bunch of boys from Pittsburgh, who was Washington High, we had gone over over to Washington Park. That was the only black park in the city of Atlanta, then Washington Park. We went over there, and we go there so we could uh, take food from the picnickers. Wow. You know, so we go down. We went over there. We took some <laughs> food for some picnic. <laughs> but the, 
but what happened to Rock was real funny. Before we got out of Washington Park, the police got at us. And it was about that, it was during that time when the black policeman was first put on the force. Okay. So they basically patrolled the black neighborhood. Mm, okay. So they got out, they run us, so we, we were running down by Hunter Street and right behind this drugstore. I, uh, right now, I can't think of the name, but the only black drugstore uh, in Atlanta during that time. And so the, the smaller bars jumped the fence. So when I got there, I finna hit the bottom and jump the fish, and I ran into it. <laughs> and it knocked me on the ground. And when the law got there, he told me to lock me up. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> you going to jail, man. Wow. I said, I said, officer, please don't lock me up. You go whip me to lock <laughs> up. No, you going to jail. You around here taking, taking stuff from these young kids. You too old for that. I told him, I ain't but 13. <laughs> He said, 13. <laughs> so, you, you, so you're, yeah, I mean, you mentioned you were big for your size. So. Yeah, he thought about 16. <laughs> I told him 13. He said, he said, I just, he said, man, you ain't no 13 years mm. old. I guess I am. Wow. He said, you going to jail. Wow. And so I said, I tell you what, take me back out to watch how they'll tell you. That mm. I'm not 13. So when I went out to watch high, he, t- he took me into the counselor's office, and the counselor pulled my record. So she saw all the A's in elementary school, and and and, uh, and saw how I started messing up and watching high. And she was telling me he's a good student at elementary school, and he's not for 13. Why don't, why don't we give him a chance to 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 go to college if he want to? And so the police said, I'm going to give you a charge. You go to juvenile home or call. Mm. So that's why I ended up in college. Wow. Coach, now, see, that's I never knew that. I never knew that you actually, you was at, actually at Washington. Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And then you end up over at Carver. Oh, okay. Now, you mentioned earlier, you said you was a pretty good athlete. Yeah. And now, so you're at Carver, and I do understand you end up, end up going to Fort Valley. And does this have anything to do with sports? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, it has something to do with football. Uh, so when I finished uh, call, uh, I mean, uh, when I finished call, my, myself and a ball player at Washington named Jimmy was considered the two best black linemen in the state of Georgia. Mm. Now, he got a scholarship to Tennessee State. Uh, I've been recruited from schools out of Texas, but my coaches told those, those people, I don't know. He'll make your football team, but he might kill somebody. <laughs> because of my reputation. I'm telling you, coach told that man that rock that I might kill somebody. Now, now since you brought that up, reputation. Right. Now, here you are. You're in high school. Yeah. But just from your own perspective, what was your reputation? Because I want young kids or young people today to kind of catch on the importance of reputation. What What was your reputation? Even though you were great, I mean, obviously you're saying you're a great football player. You're yeah. You, you're I, able to go to school. I, I was I, I was kind of loud and I was kind of on the wrong side. We running with the you know kind of game boy, mm-hmm. and I was kind of loud, but I could fight. Okay. And I was real quick. I could fight, and and I would fight. Okay. And and so although on the football field I was disciplined, you know the coaches just did not do say too much to me, you know. 
because uh, they thought I'd try to fight them, mm. you know. But they didn't realize the kind of mom I had. Nobody ever, ever contacted my home because they figured, you know, uh, you know, if you follow an ugly person home, who are old, who are gonna be ugly? So they figure I had a thug for a moment too. <laughs> so they want to go no further than just dealing with you. They didn't want to go no further. They put me out of school, and I could come back to school without even bringing my mom. And so that was the that 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 was the thing. But when I went to college, I met a man named Doc Cobra, and he was a teacher at college at Landscape Gardening. So that was my trade. Mm. Was landscape garden and he was really a good person and he tried to uh, help me a lot he and my English teacher but <laughs> I played I played football and I was really good at football people just absolutely kind of frightened of me at football mm-hmm. I was a pretty good baseball player and I played basketball also but I couldn't shoot so the coaches tell me you rebound and get that ball to somebody else. I don't even want you to shoot your free throw. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you do, don't shoot. Huh? Rebound yeah. and get. So football obviously was your was your sport of choice. And baseball. And baseball. Yeah, I, I was a really good baseball. Player. But now, this, but now this leads you being able to go to Fort Valley and play football. Okay. So what happened was no one uh, offered me a scholarship because of the fact that coaches told the coaches that I, I would not be a good choice because mm. I might get in trouble. So what I had done, uh, after I graduated, I said, what I'm going to do, I'm going to go to the military. And so I went down to join the military and I got to sign up and they found out I was 17. Now I look like I was 20. Oh, okay. You know, I, I look, and, and the people said, you're not 17. <laughs> You, you got to go. You, you gotta so you've go. had this older look yeah, older since you were young. Look. You're 13, they think you're 16. 16 now you're 16 yeah. or 17, they yeah. think you're 20-something. Yeah, I, okay. I, 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 I miss this part of it. When we played football and Carl was dominating, they thought that Carl was going to be disqualified because they were playing old men. <laughs> and they fought over 16. <laughs> <laughs> so they think you're grown out there. Yeah, they thought I was a grown man playing ball. Now, was this just because of, I mean, was this just because of size or just the way you carried yourself That's in a way? I carried myself. Okay. okay. I didn't smile. I didn't, I didn't laugh like I do now. I didn't smile. I looked mean all mm. the time, you know. Wow. And, and so people just thought I was, I, I was older. So when, we, when I graduated from high school, I mean, I had just about a straight A average, mm-hmm. but you know, people were scared to give me a shot. So I was gonna go to the military and and make a career out of the Air Force. Hmm. But the man said I couldn't, uh, I couldn't join the military because of uh, I was too young. Hmm. And see, I hadn't thought nothing about teaching or nothing like that. That that teaching and culture was not in my thinking at all. Am I thinking at all? So uh, I came I came home from uh, church on Sunday and I saw this card in front of my house. When I went into the house, it was a coach from Fort Valley. And uh, Coach Craig, I never forget him, he was one of my uh, 
people I consider to have to had a tremendous influence on my life. He was there. And and so he talked to my mother about letting me come down to work at Oak Valley during the summer, then go to school at Fort Valley the moment after I wanted to go. And I told her, I don't care, you know. But I found out later on that the reason why he was over there was because John Chandler, who was a player on our team, had gone to Fort Valley the year before I did and did well. And Miss Long, my English teacher, who was my role, uh, I mean, she was a role model for me, had spoke out for me. And, but she told uh, Coach Craig that he gonna do okay, but you got to watch him. Mm. Got to watch out for him, cause he, he'll go with the wrong group. And I didn't, and so I didn't know all this afterwards until he told me, when he got ready to leave Old Valley, he told me why he used to make me come down to the house on something, and why he would check the curfew in my room, <laughs> <laughs> my room over, because he was trying to save me. Oh, Miss Long told him I was a good person. And and so I went to Fort Valley and uh, and I played football down there pretty good, pretty good football player. Uh, and I made on a roll for, you know, all the while I was down there, almost a straight A student mm-hmm. in college. Uh, so now after we so now you're at Fort Valley, you're playing your gears there. And I understand that at some point you end up playing semi-pro ball. Yeah. Now is this one of those right after right after Fort right after you finished school? Are you has coaching even came into play yet? No, coaching hadn't hadn't come into play. Okay. And, and playing all in high semi-pro ball hadn't come into play either. You know, we played on Sundays and on Saturdays that sandlot ball on the school ground. Okay. But the Spartans had not come into play then because it was segregated, mm. and so the Spartan was a, a basically a white team. So he hadn't come in to play then. Uh, so when I graduated from Fort Valley, I came home to look for a job. So I went downtown to talk to this lady downtown, and she told me that they didn't have no openings in social studies. I was a social studies major. Okay. And she said that she didn't have no job because I made an A in my student teaching. Okay. I mean, it was just a side job. And so doing that was my first taste for teaching that I really got a knack for teaching kids who other people couldn't handle. And I really really liked that. So when I got home, uh, I... I, uh, Know, to try to get a job in social studies, but they didn't have any. So I came back out to Carver to talk to some of my older teachers. Then I was gonna join the military again. So I was standing on the hall, looking at the bulletin boards and stuff. And uh, this, the principal came out, um, Mr. Bohanna came out. He said, can I help you? I said, uh, Mr. Bohanna, you remember me? <laughs> he said, no. I said, I'm Willie Hunter. He said, not that Willie Hunter. <laughs> I said, Mr. Bohanna, you don't remember getting all those letters telling the school that I was on the honor roll? Mm-hmm. 
So he has no clue that you're yeah. the same Willie Hunter that was there. I had no clue that that was the same wow. Willie Hunter. So we, we laughed. So he said, what you doing now? I said, well, I went over there and I went downtown and they said that they didn't have no jobs over in social studies. So I'm, I'm going to go. So you're pursuing teaching at this point? Yeah. Okay, you're pursuing so teaching. So I'm going to go and uh, join the military because they didn't have no jobs in social studies. So he told me, no, don't do that. He gave me a letter, sent me out to talk to a, a supervisor named Mr. Haldeck. I'll never forget him. And I went out there. I was ready, boy. I had my resume and had all these grades I had made. I really asked any kind of question in social studies. <laughs> and he asked me one question. Can you coach? Really? Yeah, that's the only question he asked me. I said, yes, sir. I, you know, I ain't no coach for so I said, yes, I can coach. He said, well, go back and tell Bo Hanna. I said, hi. You. Really? As a social studies teacher and a coach. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I got my job. They transferred a man from Carver and sent him to Howard. So they had a position at Carver. And I was the first student who graduated from Carver to come back to teach. Man, now that's amazing right there. See, that's the stuff, Coach, that yeah. I love hearing. The stuff that just people... People don't know. So you end up coming back to your high school yeah. as a coach, but you haven't coached at all. You're not thinking, coached, no, you, you're coached. just going to, you're just going to wing it. You're just going to get into it. Yeah. I mean, you know, you figure you're coach since you played. Two Already games. played. Mm-hmm. But when I got there, uh, the head coach called me and, and uh, told me he had, uh, he had already hired Coach Fouts, which was one of the best coaches in the city of Atlanta, who also finished whole Valley. And, 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 but he knew he had to hire me because the, the supervisor had already said, had said, wow. So he asked me, would you wait a year or two so I could, you know, don't mess up vouchers contract? I said, yeah. He said, well, I get you some jobs, a referee. So I started refereeing some B team games. And, okay. and then he hired me as a, as a coach on the B team. So I became the uh, B team head coach at uh, Carl. Wow! So this is when you found this is when you first so you started to make yeah. the transition to, into coaching. Right. So now you're you're coaching as you're saying the B team type situation. Where does the semi pro come in? Well, semi pro came in about five or six years later. Okay. What happened was they had integrated. Uh, Bobby Nall was the coach for this for the uh, small, he won a great Georgia Tech coaches. And he was a coach. We had a summer pro team in Pittsburgh called the Pittsburgh Tigers. They were tough. Mm-hmm. But we were not in that league, you know, because we were, we were black. And so he wanted to integrate the team, so he invited some of the black players to come out and try for the team. And so we went out there and uh, Myself and about two or three others was the only blacks that made that team. Now, the other blacks were good enough, but they didn't have enough open positions for blacks. Mm-hmm. So that's when we uh, we started playing with the uh, with the Sparta, and we 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 got to be pretty well known okay. too. 
Uh, now, how long did you do this? For semi pro, so now are you still, so you're playing semi pro and still and referee and teaching at the same time. Okay. Now, how many years are you doing this? Does this, this go? Yeah, about three years. Okay. And they 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 try to. Uh, my third year, I just dominated because they they put me defensive end, and I was just destroying mm. quarterbacks and stuff. So they tried to get me, and the boy named, they called him Bill Street, he's a wide receiver, to take a trial contract with St. Louis, mm. you know, pro St. Louis. Yeah. So I was going to do that, but I was teaching too. So, you know, I, uh, I asked the coach who was recruiting us, could they give me some kind of guarantee? Right. You know, so if I didn't If you it, don't make it, you still got your I job got or something. Job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, no, a trial contract, you can't get no guarantee. So Bill Street took that offer. But I didn't. I wasn't going to take that chance. So I told him, no, I ain't going to lose my teaching okay. job. <laughs> you had the old, what, bird in hand is better than two in the bush? Two in the bush. Okay. So I, 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 I just turned that turned that down. But see, the coach, this man was saying, well, you're going to make the team, but I suppose I get hurt. Right. He said, that's a chance you have to take. Wow. And that shut that down. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, Coach, now you, you, you've done so many different things. Now, here you, you, you're playing semi-pro, but now you end up doing something else. You, I, I mean, when I first saw you as a coach, you, you, you would have, I mean, when they say the most muscular coach I've ever seen, I think that was one of the things that was intimidating by so many of your players that, you know, you had this very intimidating look, you know, just from being a bodybuilder. How did you even get into bodybuilding? How did how does this even come into play? As far as you well, I always was kind of built, you know, big. Okay, that that was just in our family. They, they should call my brother Big Dog. Okay, we were some big people, but I was shaped up. Okay, and so <laughs> so I was walking across the campus one day, day and showing my muscles. I thought. Walking across, you know, I thought I was real muscular. I thought mm-hmm. I was really muscular. And this little boy called me fat. <laughs> Coach. This student called me fat. I got at him. I, 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 I was trying to beat that little boy up, <laughs> calling me fat. And so, and so I said, I ain't fat, Emma. You know? Yeah. And so I went downtown and get, you know, to, to buy a pair of pants. And I, I went over to the 32 rack. Cause that's what I was wearing in college, 32. Mm-hmm. And, and so I went to the 32 rack to get me a pair of pants. And the man at, at, at Anthony downtown, the, the store our most black shop, told me, hey man, what you doing on, on that rack? You shopping for somebody else? <laughs> <laughs> So, Coach, you, you you have a false perception of yourself right now. I, 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 I had a false perception, <laughs> but I thought I was built. These people calling me fat. And that man told me to come over to that 38 Baldy rack for a power pass, and that guy, <laughs> I said, Lord, him I done got fat. I, wow. ain't, I ain't built one. I got fat. Wow. And so I started going downtown, going to buy some weights and stuff, and started lifting, start lifting weights. But it was hard about doing that stuff by yourself. So I was on the bus coming from uh, downtown, and I met Jesse. He was standing at, getting off the bus. Now he was built, big arms, big chest, small waist. And so, hey man, what's your name? And he told me, told him, I told him what I want to do. 
And he invited me down his house, and we've been brothers ever since. Wow. So we started lifting together, and we became really close, but we also became two of the best bodybuilders, weightlifters in the state of Georgia, black. We integrated powerlifting. You know, through the YMCA, we started uh, competing against white clubs, and we started defeating them. For some reason, though, they thought we were not as strong mm. until they met us in, in the matches. But uh, it was Jesse the one really got me into the, into the bodybuilding, shaping my body up. Wow, that is something. Now, what is very interesting, and I, and I guess the listeners need to know, that you're saying, now, this is many years ago that you end up meeting Jesse, mm-hmm. and he gets you into bodybuilding. And what what is what is amazing that you're still lifting even today with Jesse. Right. And for the listeners, uh, you you don't know this. Obviously, you can't see us here. But Jesse is is, is right here with us doing during the interview. So Jess, I would just want to hear from you. How was it for you when you when you see this kid and he tells you he wants to get into bodybuilding? Well, um, he's very interesting. You know, want to be built, and so after we got together, and I showed him what little I know, the experience I had, and we began to be good friends. And plus, he won what powerful uh, deadlift mm. in Atlanta. Wow! Yeah, he, he broke the record. Now, how did you get in, in the bodybuilding parts? Just because. I mean, never knowing the backstory. All of us know Coach Hunter. Why we just man knew, man, he, he was a bodybuilder. But this is really good to meet the guy that got him into it. And okay, I started off lifting rocks. Really? Yeah. And I met this man named Thomas Oglesby. And he was built, man. He was built. And so I wanted to be like him. Wow. And so the rocks got heavier. I got weaker. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, it was great because he taught me a lot mm. about bodybuilding. And so I went from there. Wow. That is awesome. So, I trained for my knowledge to honor him, and he got to be great. Man, that is something that's passed out. Jess, thank you so much for joining us. Listen, when we come back, Coach Hunter, I want to talk to you about when your coaching uh, turned into a passion, the places that you've coached at, and we're just going to keep on moving through this uh, interview. We'll be right back right here on Difference Maker. I'm David Rocker, the host of the Difference Maker podcast. I am looking for difference makers who are out of the Atlanta public school system, the school system that I am a product of. So if there's a principal, a teacher, coach, or even an athlete who has had a positive influence on you, I want to sit down with them and have them on the Difference Maker podcast. So contact me at DavidRocker92 or go to the Difference Makers Facebook page and leave a message. Looking forward to hearing from you soon. You're listening to Difference Makers with David Rocker. And welcome back to Difference Makers with your host, David Rocker. I'm sitting here with my high school coach, legendary coach here in the Atlanta area coach, Willie Hunter, who's just been telling an amazing story. So, coach, we, we left off 
you're pretty much playing semi-pro ball. You make the decision that you're going to go ahead and stick with the teaching and coaching. When did coaching become your passion? I mean, I think everyone knew that you didn't just like coaching. You love coaching. Yeah, I, I think what, what happened was when I really become, when I, when I came to the, to the realization that, that as a coach, you could have some great influence over young people as a coach. So what happened was uh, during the black-white transfer, uh, they, they sent me to Sylvan High, which was an all-white school, and they sent the uh, uh, white coach to, to Carver. So I, I think coaching became a passion when I was there because I became the head coach at Sylvan. Mm. Steve Daniel decided to give it up, he was the AD, and he asked me to take the job over. I refused at first, but he wouldn't take no for an answer, so I became the head coach. Now, what made you refuse the coach, just when you saying at first that you... Uh, because I just I just like having my evening to myself. Mm, okay. I, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I did not want to just have, I, I like to hang out with the ball. Okay. Okay. And, and you see, and we had a group that hang together, mm-hmm. and, and knowing that coaching would take a lot of time, I just was not interested in it. But he stayed on me and got other people on me, and I took that job, and that's when coaching became a passion. Mm. After I took that Sylvan job, uh, who had not been winning many ball games, but then when we got out there and started. I had people like William Judson, David Allen, and we just started to win. And when you mention William Judson, you know, I like to remind people, we're talking William Judson who went on to leave from Sylvan and end up playing professionally with the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins, okay. yeah. So now you're coaching here, you're coaching at Sylvan. Right. And you're there, how many years? I mean, I don't even know how many years. Uh, it had to be about seven or eight years. Okay. But that's when it became a passion. Mm. When I really found out that you really could influence kids in the right direction, uh, if you really put the, the work in, mm-hmm. and and then you're working directly with the parents. So at Sylvan, I really started taking that job, that coaching job seriously. So now, what made you? And I just have to jump in right here. You said influence influence kids. I mean, I obviously, want them to go in a positive direction. And you just shared. You know, as far as you growing up, running with the wrong crowd. Right. How does this flip now that you want to well, encourage it, it, kids it, to go it, in a positive direction? Once a kid find out that they're not doing nothing that you've never done, mm. then you can tell them what the end game going to be. Wow. And, and, and they'll listen. And then when they see that you are physically strong, that you can defend yourself if you have to, then that make the bad boys listen. Because mm. they figured they tried to fight you, they'll lose. Right. So, but the main thing was, you met, you know, the ones who were considered thugs, I, I made them get the lesson. Mm. I made them go to class. They had, to, they had to respect teachers. And it became a passion mm. for me because I saw how playing football really was responsible for me being where I was because I had me for football. I might have been playing football for Big Rock. That was just a jail. <laughs> you knew where that was going to lead you, being yeah, out I in those streets. I knew exactly where it was going to lead you. 
So now you're using football as a tool. I mean, you're obviously coaching football, but you're also seeing it as something to really help influence us. helping yeah. others and helping oh, kids. Yes. Coach, that, oh, that, yeah. that is good. And, and so that's why my teams, I can say this without bragging, my teams became some of the most disciplined ball clubs in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. You had to worry about them fighting on the football field. Yeah. You had to worry about them acting crazy in the class because I had control of. You know, Rocco, one thing was really funny. I had a principal at, I never forget Mr. Coulson, I had a principal at Silver who used to tell me, he said, Hunter, when you want to take a day or two out, you go ahead and take the, I'll let you do it, but I want you to come and walk walk through the campus so your football players and other people can see you. Then you go back home and I'll teach your class. Really? That, that was fascinating. Really, Coach? Just, just for the presence? Just for the presence. Kids, wow. why you that? They're not going to do anything. Man, that, yeah. is, that, is, that is so good. You know, I tell people that. It's Hunter, you lying. That's absolutely yeah. true. No. absolutely true. Right. No, no, Coach, you, you, you did have that kind of presence, like you said. If you pass by, even though you probably gone an hour, you would think Coach Hunter just still somewhere close. That's just kind of, kind of, you know, what you, what you had established. Now, even though I was young, I remember the big transition that came about. That's when, man, you hear about this coach, Coach Hanna. He's coming now to Fulton High. Tell me about the transition or your arrival to Fulton High School, even yeah. how you end up at Fulton. Yeah, let me tell you, David, that was fascinating. I had gone to, I had left, I had, I had gone from Sylvan to Tech. Oh, okay. And I, uh, college sports just didn't move me. Okay, now we can't, we can't, we can't skate by that. You just put it out there. Oh, I left Sylvan and went to Tech. Now, when you talk about Tech, we're talking Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech. Right. So you end up down at Georgia Tech. You're Georgia. coaching. Offensive line coach. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But uh, it just didn't just coaching older boys. Uh, I just didn't feel as enthused as I did when I was coaching the younger boys who need to be developed. So after one year, I told Pepper Rogers, I think I'm going to go back in high school. He really... He really wanted me to stay because I had that relationship with the with, with the players. But I told him that, no, I'm gonna go back into high school. So what happened during that time? I went down to George High. I was gonna poach at George. Uh, that's South Atlanta now. Mm-hmm. In Atlanta. Then the job came open at Fulton, and Coach Daniels. And Coach Wainwright recommended Mr. McNamara because that was, that was a job that came over and a whole lot of people wanted that job. And they had some good coaches on that staff up there, Coach Neeson. They wanted that job, but uh, Coach Wainwright and Coach Daniels and all the coaches told Miss McNamara to hire me and she brought me up to Fulton. Wow. Okay, now before we get into Fulton, you being there, we just got to back up. Coach, you're at Georgia Tech and you recognize hey, you know what, I, I think I'd just rather just go down here with with, uh, with the high school guys and, and be more impactful. I mean, I think that's a major decision because today, I mean, you find guys, once they find an opportunity to move up in the ranks, man, they're taking it and they're going with it. But you saying, hey, even though I'm at, I mean, a Division One school, I'm just going to go ahead and, and go back and coach high school. Right. Wow, that's amazing. That is amazing. And, and you know, when I, when I left, and I came back into high school. A lot of people want to know what happened. Mm-hmm. They thought there was something, you, you know. That <laughs> there had to be something negative. Yeah. Not just it's just a choice. Yeah. And so they had a, a big article in the paper about 
be coming back in the high school so I could be an influence for young boys. You know, I don't think many people either. They thought it was something. Wow, that is that is something. So now, you're at Fulton High School. What is one of the first thing that you notice when you arrive that you probably need to change or the difference you're gonna make there? How did you go into that situation, knowing that it was a job that you mentioned that a lot of guys? Well, well, wanted. one thing about me, when I go into a job, I don't go in there with any expectation. I just go in there with what I'm going to do. Mm. I don't, I don't, I don't uh, go into a job saying uh, I'm, I'm going to uh, be this, be that. But I bring my program in there, and I said there's certain things that we're going to do. My expectation was they're going to be disciplined and they're going to be strong. Mm-hmm. And they're going to go to class. Right. And that was it. And the coaches uh, at Fulton got behind me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I didn't first get there. I had I had one coach. I think one of the coaches there who had more experience, and he was a, a good athlete, mm-hmm. Coach Neeson. He was All-American. Alvin Neeson. Uh-huh. He was a good football player. And he came in the office and told me, now, Hunter, you know I was a better football player. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's Coach Neeson for you. I yeah, can see that happening. Yeah, some people, that would have yeah. upset, upset him. I said, you right. Yeah. So? so. <laughs> but, I'm, but I'm the head coach now, so right. I'm in charge. So you want to work for me? Mm. <laughs> he said, yeah. And I said, okay, you you on my staff. Yeah. Wow. And I see a lot of people would have been scared to get a person on the staff of that, but he tried to be one of my best coaches. Wow. That is that is amazing. Because I just I just did not have no hangups about uh, how well I could coach. I knew what I was gonna be there for, and I was gonna do that what I said I was gonna do. They were gonna be disciplined. They were gonna be strong. They were going to class, and uh, I knew I was gonna do that. Otherwise, I was gonna leave. Well, coach, how did you balance that? Because even though at that time, I mean, I was in elementary school when you arrived at Fulton. But it was already, uh, I'll just say, a, a reverential fear as far as the guys I would talk to, even though they were older guys, but it was just one of those, you know, it was a balance, though. It was so funny. It's that man, that Coach Hunter doesn't play, but he's a good coach. How did that come about that you were able to establish that with, with, with boys of having this reverential fear of you don't play, but being a, a good coach? Is that something that was intentionally done or was it just part of your makeup? I, I think it's part of my makeup. I think it's, it's, it's part of what I picked up from my mom. Mm. I just, if, if, if I just treat people right. Mm. And I just help people. You know, if I had a football player that come to me and tell me he, he needs a pair of shoes, I'm going to get him the shoes. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it, it's not to to make, make him play for me. But I'm going to give him the shoes because I think, you know, You're I You're just should. looking out for him. Yes, looking since I'm his coach. Wow. Or if a player come to me and tell me, look, I need to talk to my mother about this and that, I'm going to talk to him because I consider myself the dad on the football field. I just believe in that. So oh, you're not dad on the football field, Coach. I think you was dad to a lot of guys yeah. on and, and off the field. But I think that's... That was one thing I really enjoyed about coaching, that you had to had so much influence over a lot of young boys who were looking for that. Mm. You know, I found out the 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 worst football player, or the ones who said they got the worst personality, looking for somebody to love them. Mm. And once you do that, 
uh, they become sometimes your better ball player. Wow. That 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 is really really good. So now you you're at Fulton, and now when you end up leaving Fulton, when did you know it's time for you to make a transition? You go from Fulton, and you end up going to Clark Atlanta. But let me say something. One other thing yeah. about Fulton that that I think I need to say is that when I first got to Fulton, I never mentioned my faith. Mm. Never. Until I got to mess with, messing around with them boys at Fulton, uh, you, Dave, and, and William, uh, caused me to start talking about my faith. Mm. Before you all came and started talking about the fellowship of Christianity, right. I never, you might, you know that I never mentioned God. Right, right. Because folks thought I didn't go to church. Mm. I, I went to Sunday school every Sunday. That is something, Coach. Yeah, and, and 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 I began to start saying it's okay for me to mention my faith after I started uh, with you all, mm. and, and 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 that stuck with me throughout my coaching too. Wow, that's amazing. So now that that you're coaching, and now you're saying you're here, pretty much on the back end of Fulton, but now your faith is coming to to play a part, which we're going to talk about coming up a little bit later in, in, in the segment. But now you end up. You're leaving Fulton and you go to Clark Atlanta. Right. What brings about this? What makes you say, I, I mean... Well, there was, a, there was a young man who had graduated from Clark, and he, he loved Clark, Earl Wilson. He just worried me to death about uh, coaching at Clark. You see, once I left Tech, what opened up was every black college in Atlanta, when they need, made a change, they, they recruited me. Wow. They wanted me to work. Miss um, McLemore, they came, they wanted me to go to Mars Brown. Miss McLemore told me, he ain't going to Mars Brown. He's going to stay with me. <laughs> and Miss McLemore this time, she's the principal, she's at, the principal at, at, Fulton. at Fulton. Morehouse was trying to get me to come up there, you know, because I had the experience over to check and stuff. But I didn't want to go back on the college level until Earl Wilson, he just kept he got so bad, he joined my staff to, to talk me into coming up to Claude because he said Claude needed a, a, a coach who was concerned about the board. So finally, I decided to retire from high, from high school. Mm, okay. I retired from high school. I can't, I can't really. I, but I'm going to tell you, Dave, because I think sometimes people ought to hear <laughs> why I retired from high school. I was uh, the kind of coach who helped parents, uh, you know, keep the kids in school and mm-hmm. stuff. And so one parent who knew who knew my parents had a daughter, and so she asked me to kind of watch over, make sure she got a lesson and everything. So one day she came to school, and she said, Coach Anna, I said, yeah. Why don't you stay home sometime? That just destroyed. <laughs> coach, coach, this change. This is the game changer right here for you. Game changer. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying my best to save somebody. I should tell you, why don't you stay just, home? Just stay day? home. And so happened that day, Earl came back up to the school that day and started talking about Claude. Wow. That's the game changer. Wow. So now you decide I'm going to go ahead and re- retire from. I'm going to retire from teaching. And, uh, and man, now you got to pursue, pursue something else. Pursue something else, absolutely. So now, all right. So now you you end up going to Clark Clark Atlanta. Mm-hmm. 
you're coaching there. How is it for you now, I man? I know it's, it's a transition. I mean, but now is it easier now? I mean, you're older now, but is it still the passion still there? You still well, the, influencing? The, 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 well, the passion is there because once I got there, I found out that these young boys coming to high school really need some discipline. Mm-hmm. Really need somebody to really care about them. You think a lot of people think when kids finish high school that they're grown? No, uh, I found out they really need some direction. So my thing was, when I went to recruit a boy, I told the parents the kind of person I was. I said, if you send him to me, I'm going to send him back to you, graduated. Mm. So my primary goals was to graduate the kid, but to develop a good football player. Wow. They, they were side by side that they were gonna get, they were gonna stay in school four years and they were gonna graduate, but they were gonna play football. And that's what I told the parents when I recruited. So a lot of parents sent their, that children to me because they also found out I'm from a Christian background, mm-hmm. home. And so a lot of the black parents, especially the, the single home, where they had only the mother, they were sending the kids to me, so we got some pretty good ball players just didn't have no money to get men of them. Mm. Mm-hmm. Wow. We've, we've, <laughs> we've, we've talked about it a little bit, but now let's really dive into it. I mean, obviously you mentioned you grew up in a family of faith. How does your faith play a role in your life today? Well, I, I, uh, I came to realize that... Uh, Life without faith, you're missing something. Hmm. You got to have something that you really and truly hold dear. Otherwise, life ain't about nothing. You're just doing the same thing over and over again. And so, your faith tends to make you strong in the periods where, you know, other people just crack up. It's your faith that keeps you stable. It's your faith that continues to give you hope. Right. So that's why I see why when I was a youngster, uh, my mother had to move. And the lady said, we had to move that weekend. And she never seemed like she worried. So we didn't worry. Mm. And then before that week was out, we had a better place. Wow. We had a better place to live than the one we were already in. So uh, I find out you know, from her, that your, your, your faith sustained you through periods of darkness and stuff like that. Wow. And, and so when I went to Clark, I made sure that we had Bible study. I, the kids led the Bible study. I didn't try to make them go one way or another, but we had a period where we sat and we talked and we meditated. Mm. At club. But you're intentional about making sure that faith played a role Play, with these kids. Yeah. That they're going to be introduced in some form of fashion. That's right. That's awesome. That's right. That is, Coach, do you have a, a favorite scripture? Anything that that you can say, hey, this is what I hold dear. This is one of my favorite scriptures. Well, but Dave, when I first, my first sermon and my favorite scripture is one of the best known. It is the Lord is my shepherd. Mm. I'm telling you. 23rd Psalm. Yeah, the 23rd Psalm. Yeah. And that was the topic of my first sermon that I preached. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's so powerful. It's so powerful. And it was really 
dominant in my mother's life too. Because once you know that you're not in charge, but he is, that's good. You know everything gonna work out all that, right. That that is good. And I think yeah. so many people realize that regardless on how much success that you may gain, he's in charge. He's in charge. <laughs> and, and and so what you don't do, you never get big headed. Mm. That's why when people start talking, I'm a good coach. You say I'm blessed. Mm. You know. Yeah. Uh, because a whole other coaches uh, uh, could have been better or they were better uh, stuff like that but it wasn't because of me but because of the faith I had wow that's and good. I wasn't coaching for me mm. I was coaching to help other people that's good and uh, that's really good coach as we get ready to kind of bring this to a close I mean I know they're some athletes, coaches, even citizens are listening. Just drawing from your own life experiences, and I mean, I know you've had a lot of different experiences. What positive advice would you offer to those who, who listen? And, you know, if you said, man, I just want to share something positive, because we're about positive views and positive people on this show. One thing I would say to people, you need to have some hardcore goals in mind and they need to be girded in your faith. Wow. See, once you have, you, you, you see, once you believe, you can achieve. Once you really and truly believe. And once you believe that there's a, a higher power controlling your life, then you don't, you don't worry about anything. So I said, you must set a goal. You got to have a goal. Because without goal, you just like a fella caught up in a windstorm. Mm. And in order to make that goal work, then you got to have faith. You got to have belief. You got to have belief in something stronger than yourself. Wow. So when you get in trouble, you always turn to it. That is amazing. Coach, you know, you've always shared that um, even during our times of, of playing with you, You've always pushed that. Make sure that you have goals. We set goals at the beginning of right. of each season, our individual goals. And what is so what is so funny, uh, the influence that you you've had over my life and so many people who are even even coaching today. Um, during my time as a head as a collegiate head coach, that was the same thing that I would tell my boys, the boys who would come uh, and play for me, and the parents. I'd be able to tell their parents. If your child comes and plays with me, <laughs> this is what he'll be. He will be disciplined. He'll get an education. I'll make sure he graduates. And that was just, you know, being able to get that from you. Lastly, let's talk about being a difference maker. What does that mean to you when you hear the word difference maker, Coach? Well, it, that, that's a, a, a term that's hard to define. But being a difference maker is that once you come into contact with somebody in life because they because they met you if you're a difference maker it it, it, it helped alter or change the direction in which they are going man just by coming in contact with you when you're because if you're a difference maker you're gonna make sure you share that with other people so hey a difference maker is a person who tend to just, when you come in contact with somebody, there's a change in direction. Not because he's trying to make the change, but because that's something people see in him that tend to make the change. 
you know, uh, Rob, I, I, I know that you boys, your brother, y'all were big enough maybe to join me and gang them up on me and beat me up. But you all had the tendency to believe in what was being taught. So uh, when you're a difference maker, you, you're that way because people respect you. So it's it, 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 it's the road you travel. Mm. You see, just like I said, yeah, though I walk through the valley of shadows, ever feel no evil. Why not? Because thou art with me. Mm. And when you have that kind of faith in a person, you know, you 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 rock. You had some coaches that you would jump off a building for, mm-hmm. and not knowing, but knowing that coach gonna have a mattress down there or something. <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah. that trust you had. Right, 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 right. Uh, coach. Let me just go ahead and say, and I know I speak for so, so many other people. Um, you have been a tremendous uh, influence personally in my life, and I know in so many others, using football as a tool, but you have made so many, I can, and I can definitely speak from a, a man's perspective, you've made so many young boys become men who still hold on to the words and the, and the character training that you taught us Many years ago, I mean, I think about Rodney Cofield, who's a who's the head coach at Douglas High School. I go over and I'm coaching with him, and he's a big fundamentalist. And you know where we get it from? We got it from you, Coach. You know, um, the way a lot of us live, we can still pull back. I'm still an early riser this morning. So many boys, we wake up early. Oh, man, we got that from, from Coach Hunter. So I just want you to know, Coach, we appreciate you so much for everything that you've done. I mean, wow, people, we have covered a lot today. Thank you, Coach Hunter, for taking time to join us. I know I have been encouraged by you and your story, and I'm sure so many others as well. I want to say this as we close. Coach Willie Hunter, you are a difference maker. Thank you so much, Coach, for being on the show. And I, I thank you for asking me. And let me say this in closing. It's because of players and students like you tend to give the difference maker everything they need to go out and keep doing what they're doing. It's players like you, Dave. When, 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 when we see you, we know our work has not been in vain. Wow. Man, Coach, that's, that's powerful, man. That's powerful. Thank you so much, Coach. Again, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you all for listening to the show today. Stay tuned for some more great podcast episodes coming up in the future. God bless you all.